RadioInfluence.com. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Officer Down, Officer Down, outside Tonopah, come in please. Sir, this is a civilian, uh, he's shot on, uh, or seat on, uh, on I-10, he's shot, uh, on I-10, on the, uh, east Sunway, uh, sir, west Sunway, west Sunway, your Tonopah. Okay, for all units, total traffic report of, Officer Down, 1810, new copy. Hey, he's, uh, he's in real bad shape, please send, uh, air support, helicopter, please. There are also two civilians on, off-road, uh, also, uh, laying, Unknown condition. Top of the hour, breaking news right here on Beyond the Badge. You just heard a 911 call from a civilian out in Arizona. And let me give you a backdrop of what happened. There was a state trooper who was en route to a different call. He rolled up on a rollover crash. He saw a young lady lying in the street. She appeared to be deceased based on the rollover crash. Uh, as the trooper got out of his car to mark the scene as state troopers do, he was actually ambushed by the driver of that car, and the driver of that car actually shot the trooper twice, once in the shoulder, in the chest, and then he began to actually uh, beat the state trooper. And there was a civilian passing by, he saw this, and he told this individual, hey, stop beating the officer, stop beating the officer. Uh, At some point, uh, there was maybe a gunshot exchange between the individual that was beating the officer and the civilian, the Good Samaritan that actually stopped to help. And then that Good Samaritan went to his car, retrieved his handgun, and shot and killed this individual that was beating on the state trooper. And when I say beating, I mean it was very, very graphic, very, very brutal. And this officer could have died if this Good Samaritan did not show up when he did. I mean, this guy was actually pounding the trooper's head onto the pavement Now, the trooper had already been shot twice. He's got blood loss from that. His head is getting slammed on the pavement. Could you imagine what would have happened if this guy wouldn't have shown up or if he would have shown up a few seconds later? I mean, this trooper, for all intents and purposes, would be now deceased. The trooper, although he was shot twice, his head was slammed on the pavement. He's expected to recover. Of course, he's got a long road to recovery, but he's expected to recover. Now let's break down this case, right? Because this is a strange one. You don't hear about it a lot. There was a similar case down in Lee uh, County, Florida, down in Tallahassee, where my folks are from, but it wasn't them that did it, trust me. There was a similar case uh, out in Florida where a passerby saw a police officer, a Lee County deputy, getting beaten uh, and pretty much did the same thing. Uh, took out his weapon, fired at the suspect, killed the suspect. And that's what happened here in Arizona just a few days ago. Uh, Now, from a legality standpoint, a lot of people have questioned, a lot of people have asked me, hey, will this office or will this citizen face charges? And my answer to that is no, because civilians, just like police, any civilian that's not a convicted felon that can legally own a weapon, has the right to use deadly force in defense of themselves or others. Now, you can question what was 
his rationale? Did he think that the officer's life was in jeopardy? Well, absolutely. I mean, he had been shot. He's on his back. He's getting his head slammed into the pavement. That is deadly force. So he reacted by using deadly force against this individual that was pounding his head into the pavement and that had shot the state trooper twice. And this goes back to what I, I've always said and I've said a hundred times on this show. There's nothing routine in police work. I mean, this trooper driving down the interstate sees a rollover accident, sees this female laying on the concrete who had been ejected from the vehicle. The last thing on his mind was someone's going to come from around the corner and ambush me and shoot me and try to kill me. That was the last thing on his mind. But as I always say, in policing, anything can happen in a split second. So you have this 27-year veteran of the Arizona Highway Patrol fighting for his life on the side of the road when he thought he was going to investigate a simple accident, right? Well, not simple. It was a rollover. He had a victim on the ground. So he was probably, probably in life-saving mode, but he went to protecting his life mode just like that. I mean, the gunshot rendered his right arm and hand useless immediately. But guess what? He still engaged his attacker because he had to protect his own life, right? But you lose your right arm, you lose your right hand, and you're in a fight against some crazed individual. What do you think your chances are of winning that fight? And more importantly, of survival. It's slim to none. I don't care how bad you are. I don't care what your fighting skills are. When you start to lose mobility and the use of your limbs, you're pretty much helpless. And that's what this state trooper out in uh, Arizona was. He was helpless. And thankfully, thankfully, this good Samaritan came to his rescue. And you heard the call. That was actually another individual that was on the radio giving the instructions to dispatch. And I commend that individual for staying as calm and collected as he did. You heard officer down, officer's been shot. He even identified the civilian that had been shot. If you listen to the entire 911 call, he identified the female that was laying in the middle of the interstate because she had been ejected from the vehicle. And he told the dispatch what type of medical help to send the officer. He didn't say send an ambulance. He didn't say just bring a Band-Aid. No, no. He knew the condition of that officer. He knew he needed to be life flighted to get the best and quickest medical attention possible. Now, clearly, I'm not urging people, if they see something like this, to jump out of their car and react that way. I know I would be that guy that did. And, you know, I told my girlfriend the other day, and it's a true statement, anytime I see a, a police car on the side of the road and they have someone pulled over, I tend to slow down a little bit to make sure that officer's okay, or I tend to, like, cut my eye over there and watch in my rearview mirror as I pass by to make sure that officer is okay because me having done that job, me having been on traffic stops that went from zero to oh shit in two seconds, 
I know the dangers of it. You know, I know the dangers of just walking up to a car where you think you're just going to write a ticket or you think you're just investigating an accident and something crazy happens. So I know the reality. I wouldn't recommend it. I'm definitely not suggesting it. But this guy in Arizona was in the right place, the right time, and he saved this trooper's life. Breaking news out of Orlando. Police are still searching for Markeith Lloyd. He actually shot and killed his girlfriend 34 days ago, back in December. And on January 9th, as a Orlando police officer was responding to the scene, Lieutenant Deborah Clayton, she uh, got word that he was at a Walmart. She approached. He shot her several times. A few of those times is while she was on the ground dying, he stood over her and shot. So there's been a massive manhunt down in Orlando and the entire state of Florida for this 41-year-old uh, McKeith Lloyd. Very dangerous guy. He shot hit and killed his pregnant ex-girlfriend. He shot and killed Lieutenant Deborah Clayton as she tried to apprehend him. So he needs to be placed in custody. Right now, there's a $5,000 reward for his whereabouts. To me, that's not enough money. He killed two women. He killed a police officer. He killed a baby because I just said his ex-girlfriend was pregnant. So $5,000 is not enough money on his head to catch this individual. He needs to be caught. He needs to be apprehended. So here's some irony, right? So back on November 4th, Sadie Dixon, his pregnant uh, girlfriend, fiance, baby mama, whatever, and he were pulled over during a traffic stop. They decide, oh, we're going to go Facebook Live. And she replies, go ahead and kill him, babe, so we can get home faster, joking about killing the officer. Then his reply, Markeith Lloyd, then we ain't never going home. Ha, ha, ha. And then she replies, here's the irony, you're not about to kill me and the baby, talking about his speeding. And then a month later, what does he do? He kills her and the baby. So this guy's mentality, even back in November, was killing cops. She joked about him killing cops. Why now is it a surprise that he did exactly what he joked about? Because there's that select few people that we always hear from and see that swears Markeith Lloyd was this great guy who always wore his Easter Sunday suit and never did anything to anybody, and they're surprised he would react this way. Well, you laughed and joked about it back on November 4th when he went Facebook Live and was talking about killing cops. You laughed and joked about it when she was saying, oh, you're not about to kill me and the baby because of your speeding. But now it's all a surprise that this Easter suit, Sunday go to church, Sunday school, communion guy would shoot not only his pregnant girlfriend, but also a police officer. And I, I read a blog by some lady that goes by Erica DeBoss on Twitter. And her uh, title says, Shit-Talking Blogger. And yeah, that's exactly what she was talking. She was talking a lot of shit because 
basically in her blog, which I can't find now, so I guess she removed it. And I hope she's listening. I hope word gets back to her. She was basically saying that Markeith Lloyd killing the police officer was basically just a reaction of him being upset of everything going on with the black man and the police. Well, first of all, I say that is a load of crap because the police officer he shot could have been his sister, could have been his aunt, could have been his girlfriend because she was black. And what does him killing a baby who is still in the mother's womb have to do with anything that's going on with the black community in policing? Absolutely nothing, Erica the boss. So your mentality, your excuse for Markeith Lloyd just proves what I always say, that we in the black community are so willing to excuse everything else that people do. We're willing to excuse it if it involves police. So now you say police shouldn't be looking for this guy. There shouldn't be a manhunt. But he killed three people. One of them was defenseless. One of them is probably the size of my hand. That little baby, that was his, according to all reports. So for you to say it's because, oh, he was tired of what was going on in the black community and policing, that's a crock of poo-poo. Because for whatever reason, he killed his girlfriend who was pregnant. Maybe he didn't want to pay child support. Maybe he found out the baby wasn't his. Whatever. The fact is, he killed her. He killed his baby. He went into hiding. People hid him in Orlando. Those three are now in jail. And then when the police get a tip of where he is, he kills that police officer. She had no chance of survival. He stood over her and he fired into her dead body. But you know, it's only because he was tired of seeing what was going on in the black community. Well, uh, Mr. Lloyd, Markeith Lloyd, I can tell you this. Orlando police will not stop. The FBI will not stop. The U.S. Marshals will not stop until they find you. It may not be today. You've been on the run for a while. You've been on the run about a week and a half. Okay. May not be today. May not be tomorrow. May not be next month. But I assure you, they will find you. And it may just be some random officer, not even in Orlando. Kind of like when I caught the guy wanted for murder in Atlanta when I was in patrol in Nashville. Random field interview stop that turned out to be a wanted person on the FBI, Atlanta's FBI most wanted list for murder. Mark my words, Mr. Lloyd, you will be found. You will be tried for your charges and it's probably not going to look too good for you because you killed three people three people oh and let's not forget there was another officer that actually died a motor motorcycle officer that died while looking 
for you. So guess what? You're going to be charged with his murder as well. So run, have fun, eat up, be merry. Do all that stuff you're going to do because the day of your apprehension, it's coming. Breaking news out of, you guessed it, Chicago. So the Department of Justice finally came back with its 13th month, 13 month review of the Chicago Police Department. And guess what? It said it uncovered a pattern of unconstitutionally excessive and deadly force. Exactly what the people of Chicago have been saying for years, according to this report. It said police pulled their weapons way too much. They shot people way too many times. They used force too many times. They tasered the mentally ill. But remember, I've always said, and you heard Fonda Bryant last week, there's no look to mentally ill. So it's probably the officer didn't know the individual was mentally ill. But just the whole slew, the same stuff we saw out of Ferguson and Baltimore when the Department of Justice went in there and did their thing, right? Excessive force, deadly force, unjustified. It's only in the black community, yada, yada, yada. But here's the real breaking news. As the ink from this report was drying, guess what? Chicago police shot an individual on West Madison Street just yesterday. And why did they shoot him? Not because he was black. Not because they were just riding by. It was like, oh, look, there's one, a black guy. No, because, as I've said, crime brings police, not color. And what crime was this individual doing? He had shot three people. So what do officers do when they respond to a call of deadly force? They respond with, guess what? Deadly force. So if you've got a gun and we've got guns, everybody's got guns, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get shot. That's what happened here in Chicago while the Department of Justice is saying there's this use of deadly force when it's not justified. There's an excessive amount of just racial disparity. And like I said, all the stuff we hear that we've heard from Baltimore, we've heard from Ferguson and New York. And now in Chicago, but what have I said time and time again? We can preach that until we're blue in the face. Has it happened in the past? I'd be foolish not to think it hasn't. You don't think I've been called the N-word? I have. You don't think before I got into policing, I was pulled over by police? I was. It happens. But to associate everything in policing with that is just wrong, stupid, and idiotic, in my opinion, in that order. Wrong, stupid, and idiotic. I told you, police aren't responding when they know there's guns at the scene. They're not coming to sing Kumbaya and hold hands in a circle around a fire. They're coming to take care of the threat because their job is to protect and serve, protect and serve those three people he shot at, protect and serve anybody else he could have shot at. That's what police do. So while the Department of Justice, the mayor of Chicago, and anyone else that is saying it's this huge problem with 
police in that city and you still refuse to focus on crime control, if you think your murder rate was high last year, I promise you, you haven't seen anything yet. I mean, this individual that was shot by police shot three people. Three people. Let's say all three died. So you have three murders right now, but yet you're still worried about if police use excessive force because they react to the situation. They react to the situation. So if you have someone resisting arrest, guess what? You're going to use force. And then if you have someone complain about it, then automatically it's excessive force. When police are responding to an individual who shot three people, they're not coming out with their pepper spray. They're not coming out to do verbal judo. And anybody in policing knows what that is. Sir, I understand. But, sir, please put down the weapon, sir. Sir, I understand you shot three people, sir. That's not what it's all about. You know, I wonder if if this individual would have died. And I'm looking at some of the, the photos that were released. And most of the officers standing around are white, Caucasian, whatever you want to call them. I wonder what would have happened if this individual that they shot would have died. I wonder the backlash that the city of Chicago would have gotten again about how their police are racist because I assure you, everyone would have ignored the fact that he shot three people, but we would have had the Black Lives Matter movement there. Well, what about the black lives that this individual shot? He shot three people. Three people. Do their lives not matter because Lil Pookie shot him? Do their lives only matter if they're shot by the police? Come on. Breaking news out of San Diego. You may remember this case a few months ago where 38-year-old Alfred Alingo, although he was Hispanic, the media painted him as a black male killed by white cops. But anyway, uh, there was an incident where he came in encounter with police. Someone had called uh, police on him saying he was acting erratic. And police arrived. And you can see in the still photo that was taken that he got himself in a shooting stance with police and there's an object in his hand. And of course, police return fire or I'm sorry, police fire and uh, shoot and kill uh, Alfred Alingo. Now, of course, the city of uh, San Diego went up in an uproar. And of course, there was a whole protest and all this other stuff. But, of course, now the San Diego District Attorney has actually cleared the officers. Uh, and a quote from that is, After carefully reviewing the facts, the evidence, and the law, we have determined the officer's use of deadly force was reasonable under the circumstances. Now, let me give you the circumstances. The, the object he had in his hand was a vaping device. You know, those metal... Uh, cigarettes, e-cigarettes, or whatever you call it. It was a vaping device, right? So, of course, everyone was in an uproar that how could you shoot an individual he has a vaping device? Well, being in that situation, having been where people point stuff at you, and having the training, 
I can assure you, officers are trained to watch movements. Not necessarily what's in your hand, but the movement of your hand. And if you're taking a shooting stance at an officer and extending your arm as if you have a weapon and all they see is a silver looking object with a hole in it, what do you think they're thinking that is? Do you think they're going to stop and say, well, let me look at this really closely to make sure this is a vaping device that only blows smoke that can't kill me? No. This individual was in a shooting stance against two police officers who had weapons drawn. And you have a split second to say, I'm either going to pull this trigger and eliminate the threat, or I'm going to let the threat pull his trigger and eliminate me. And at the end of the day, again, police want to go home at the end of the day. They have families. It's their duty to protect and serve. Not only the community, but that of their partners and, most importantly, their lives. So it's no surprise to me that the officers, in this case, were cleared. And let me just be really clear on this. Just because something doesn't look like a gun doesn't mean it's not designed to shoot bullets. Think about that. Google some things that are actually guns, but don't look anything like it. Like cell phones, for instance. There are a lot of items out there designed to be a gun that look nothing like a gun. So, again, I ask, should those officers, ha- uh, should those officers have waited until he decided, well, I'm just playing, it's really just a vaping device. I was kidding. I didn't mean to take a shooting stance. I didn't mean to point this at you. Were they supposed to wait on that? Or were they supposed to reasonably assume that there was an imminent threat against their life of serious bodily injury or death? I'm going to go with option B because you don't have time to say, sir, what are your intentions when you're taking this shooting stance with me? Sir, What exactly is that object in your hand? It looks like a vaping device, sir, but I've seen on YouTube videos where guns have been made out of that. Sir, is that a vaping device that you plan on going to smoke with, or is that something you plan on shooting me with? So again, it's no surprise that the district attorney in San Diego said that the shooting was reasonable under the circumstances because a reasonable officer actually too Reasonable officers assumed that there was an imminent threat against their lives. It's with a heavy heart that I'm doing tonight's roll call. I mentioned Officer uh, Deborah Clayton in Orlando killed January 9th, uh, 2017, 42 years old, served with the Orlando Police Department 17 years. And I'm going to actually read the entire bio that is on the officer down memorial page dot uh, org lieutenant deborah clayton was shot and killed when she encountered a wanted murder suspect in the parking lot of a walmart at the intersection of preston street and john young parkway 
A citizen approached Lieutenant Clayton in the parking lot and informed her that a wanted subject was inside the store. As she walked towards the building, the man exited and opened fire on her, striking her multiple times. The suspect was wanted for murdering his pregnant ex-girlfriend and for shooting her brother one month prior. After shooting Lieutenant Clayton, the man carjacked the vehicle and fled the scene. A captain from the Orange County Sheriff's Office spotted the vehicle moments later and was shot at as he got behind it. The suspect continued to flee and remains at large. During the ensuing search, Deputy First Class Norman Lewis of the Orange County Sheriff's Office was killed in a motorcycle crash at the intersection of Pine Hills Road and Balboa Drive when another vehicle turned in front of his motorcycle. Lieutenant Clayton had served with the Orlando Police Department for 17 years. She is survived by her husband and her son. I want to thank Deborah Clayton for 17 years of community service, 17 years for protecting and serving the people of Orlando, Florida. Godspeed to her, my prayers to her husband and her son. I cannot imagine what you're going through. If anyone has any information regarding the whereabouts of Markeith Lloyd, I urge you to call Orlando Police Department, call the U.S. Marshals, call the FBI. Don't worry about the reward. This is an individual who killed three people. A baby, his ex-girlfriend, and a law enforcement official. I'm actually going to post his mugshot on my Twitter. Make sure you follow me. Vincent Hill TV, V-I-N-C-E-N-T-H-I-L-L TV. I'm going to post his mugshot. There's a link to where you can call. Let's bring this guy to justice. Jerry Pizuk for Beyond the Badge here on Radio Influence. As you guys already know, most weeks, this show posts Tuesday nights, 8 o'clock Eastern on iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere you get your uh, podcasts. I can tell you it's now 9.08 on Tuesday night, literally an hour after this show posted, and Orlando Police just wrapped up a press conference announcing the capture of Mark Keith Lloyd. We're fortunate enough to have that press conference, or at least most of it, and uh, we're going to send that to you right now. Mark Keith Lloyd, a few hours after being named on the FBI's top 15 most wanted, arrested in the Orlando area. Here's Orlando Police Chief John Mina. Well, good evening. As you know, Markeith Lloyd has been arrested and is in custody, and we are extremely uh, grateful for that. So we did want to give you some details about the investigation and the arrest. So at approximately um, 7 p.m. tonight, uh, members from the Orlando Police Department, the Orange County Sheriff's Office, uh, Metropolitan Bureau of Investigation, Florida Department of Law Enforcement, and the U.S. Marshal's Office located Markeith Lloyd at 1150. Lescott Lane in Carver Shores. The house was surrounded. A SWAT callout was initiated um, before SWAT team arrived. Uh, Markeith did uh, try to escape out the back sliding glass doors. He was confronted uh, by Orlando police officers. He ran back inside uh, the house and then subsequently came out the front door. When Markeith Lloyd came out the front door, he was wearing body armor and he had two handguns 
handguns in his possession. Uh, one of those handguns carries a 100-round drum, so capacity for carrying 100 rounds. Uh, so when he came out the front door, he threw those two handguns to the ground. Um, he was uh, taken into custody. He did resist arrest, and he does have some facial injuries, and Lieutenant Deborah Clayton's handcuffs were placed on him, and he was transported to Orlando Police Headquarters, and he's being treated by the fire department right now, and we're waiting to see if he needs to go to the hospital. The injuries looked uh, minor to me. Um, one of the first call phone calls I made was to Deborah Clayton's husband, Seth Clayton. I told him about the rest, and he was relieved and happy, uh, but also upset to know that he was arrested right around the corner from Deborah's mother's house. So uh, at this time, I'm going to turn it over to the sheriff to talk about uh, their investigation as well. Uh, let me just start by saying that um, I do congratulate uh, all of the law enforcement personnel who were involved in the effort to bring this uh, individual into custody. Um, it's somewhat bittersweet uh, for us, obviously, especially since we just come off of the heels of um, yesterday and burying one of my own that was involved in the massive manhunt. And um, this community certainly has uh, been emotionally impacted um, by the set of events during the last week. And so uh, I believe that our entire community uh, is going to breathe a a sigh of relief at this point because uh, they will sleep better knowing tonight uh, that um, I'm going to describe this individual as a as this maniac, if you will, uh, is off the streets of uh, our community. Uh, the Orange County Sheriff's Office uh, has uh, and will serve an, ar uh, an arrest warrant tonight. Uh, Markeith. Uh, D. Lloyd will be charged with uh, multiple offenses stemming from uh, the initial incident that brought us here today. Of course, you all remember that that incident occurred on December the 13th, in which uh, uh, he was um, responsible for the death of a uh, former girlfriend and her unborn child. As a result of that, uh, he will be charged with two counts of uh, first-degree murder with a firearm. Uh, he also uh, shot her brother on that night, Ronald Stewart, uh, who was um, gravely injured as a result uh, of uh, the uh, firearm, the use of a firearm. Uh, he will also be charged with uh, two counts of uh, aggravated assault with a firearm. Um, he pointed the weapon at uh, Sade Dixon's younger brother, Dominique uh, Daniels, and uh, her mother, Stephanie Dixon uh, Daniels, as well. And so, again, we will be charging him with two counts of uh, first-degree homicide and uh, one count of attempted uh, homicide, first-degree homicide, and uh, two counts of uh, aggravated assault. And so to uh, the entire um, 
the Dixon family, uh, the Stewart family. Uh, we have been in communication with them as well uh, over time. Uh, that family has certainly been impacted by the set of events that have occurred here in this, this county as well as uh, all of the people here. In fact, uh, I believe that even all of America has been watching uh, these events unfold because of the extraordinary circumstances here in which uh, a law enforcement officer was killed uh, and another died in the process of uh, bringing this individual into custody. So those are our char those are our charges at this time, Chief. And just some follow up. Uh, again, I want to thank all uh, the officers, detectives, and all the agencies that were involved. And um, I will tell you that uh, Markeith Lloyd was not captured from a, a tip or anonymous tip. He was captured uh, by great police work, uh, tireless efforts. Uh, some of the officers, Sergeant James Parker, him and his team were there at the arrest site. And you know, these guys and girls have been working nonstop for nine days. I'm extremely proud of them. And I mean, they've basically been living in their vehicle, using the bathroom in their vehicle to try and do everything they could to bring justice uh, for the Dixon family and for the Clayton family. Uh, so we're very excited. Uh, a cop killer, uh, someone who's also wanted for murder of Sade Dixon is off the streets. The community is safer uh, and we can get back uh, to the business of continuing to keep this community safe. Um, but again, very, very proud of all the agencies that were involved. And again, the Orlando Police Department, Orange County Sheriff's Office, Metropolitan Bureau of Investigation, Florida Department of Law Enforcement, U.S. Marshals, FBI, Homeland Security, uh, and many others that I'm probably forgetting all had all played a part in this and some great police work uh, that got this cop killer off the street. So this time we will take some questions. Chief, can you tell us the significance? Um, I know it's a tough time and I know that it's bittersweet like Sheriff Deming said, but you had a smile in that video when he was being taken in. What were you feeling at that moment? Uh, I was extremely happy that this dangerous person uh, was off the streets. I know how hard uh, my officers have been working, and really the the entire Central Florida law enforcement community has been working to get him off the street, um, to bring closure to um, you know, Deborah Clayton's family, to bring closure to Norm Lewis's family, uh, you know, Shadé Dixon's family. So uh, you know, it was just a uh, it's been a roller coaster of emotions throughout the entire week. Uh, many the officers that I spoke to tonight um, actually broke down in tears um, because they, they felt that they were uh, finally able to, to cry and to weep because it, it was over. Chief, when you talk about the significance of using uh, Lieutenant Clayton's handcuffs on Marquis. Yeah, that's a that's a tradition in law enforcement that goes back many many years, and you know, Deborah Clayton risked her life for this community that she loves uh, so dearly, and to put her handcuffs on on the bad guy that she was trying to catch when she was killed is just uh, significant. It's meaningful to her family, um, which I did tell Seth Clayton about. It. It's meaningful to her uh, OPD family as well. It's something that we want to do. Uh, for the family and for the law enforcement community. As he was arrested, did he say anything? You all had actually tapped into his phone and found out his location because he had been texting with someone. Can you confirm that? Yeah, we're not going to talk about how we captured him, and we don't want to thwart any future investigations. But I will say that this was great police work uh, from the very beginning. Um, they 
unturned every single stone, every single associate, every single person uh, that has ever been in contact with him uh, in 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 the past, uh, you know, several months that they've been in contact with and and tracked every single lead down. Uh, but I will say that it was great police work that brought him into custody. Are more arrests pending for people that were aiding and abetting? Since you said this has not come from a tip, that it was old-fashioned police work, the people that were helping him evade you all. Are you expecting to make more arrests? Absolutely. That investigation is not going to stop either. Anyone who harbored, abated, uh, aided or abetted him in any way is going to be arrested. And we know from our investigation that um, people did. Mm-hmm. help him out and assist him. And it's also important to note the, the house he was found in, 1156 Lescott Lane, is an abandoned house, mm-hmm. um, but does have ties back to some of his associates uh, from the past. Did he say anything to you all while you were taking him into custody? He, he, made, he, made no, he made no statements about the case or anything of significance. Uh, did he what grounds were on good? Attorney, if I could, could you talk about next steps now that this capture has been completed? Sure. Um, Uh, Good evening. What I can tell you at this point is that it is still an ongoing investigation. The state attorney's office proceeds as we do on any other cases, whether cameras are on or off. We will will look at this case as it's submitted, and we will pursue it, and we will look at it, determine what charges, and we will follow with you at that point. Chief, you were also told that Marquis Floyd's family and Master Sergeant Deborah Clayton's family have known each other for decades. Is this true? Uh, I've heard that rumor as well. I haven't been able to confirm that. That's something our our homicide detectives uh, will just track down for us just so we know um, for future reference. But as far as I know, there was no connection. And do you know how long he was in that abandoned house? No, we do not know how long he's in the abandoned house. We'll, we'll be able to find that out, I think, through our investigation. But at this point, we don't know how long he's been in that house. Chief, can you take two more questions? Can explain these were both the guns that he <clears throat> had on him, and then did he throw them? Can you explain that? Yeah, so uh, these are both the guns that he had on him. The gun on the bottom, that's a Glock uh, handgun, and that magazine is called a 100-round drum because it could hold 100 rounds of ammunition. And it's my understanding that he came out of the house, and he did at some point um, throw those guns to the ground. Chief, talk about the strength that your officers and deputies had to have, knowing that they had him in custody and he was able to be brought in alive. Talk about the significance of that, and I guess give them a, a pat on the back, I would say. The agencies involved are extremely professional, have always been very professional, and, you know, I I knew they would be able to to hold back and restrain themselves, although he did come out uh, with body armor guns, but they're professionals. Uh, We have the best training, the best equipment, and there was no doubt in my mind that they they would use the restraint necessary to take him into custody. You've talked at length about how dangerous he is. Now knowing how well he was armed, you want to talk about just how dangerous you realize now he would have been had he not gone in somewhat yeah, and that was one of our concerns that we knew he had body armor. We obviously knew he had uh, weapons and um, obviously not afraid to use those weapons. And, you know, honestly, I, I thought this would end out end up in, in a much different situation. I'm very happy that no other officers or no other citizens were hurt during this arrest. Do you believe he was in this abandoned house the entire time or do you think he's been jumping around? No, we don't know how long he's been in that house. What is your feeling just knowing that he will be prosecuted now rather than dying tonight? Well, I'm just happy he's in custody. I think that's the message. You know, our officers have been working so hard. Uh, we wanted to bring some sort of closure to all three families involved in, in these cases. And, um, you know, I'm not going to talk about you know, my feelings about prosecution or other circumstances. Uh, we're just um, glad that he's in custody. 
So there you have it. One of uh, America's top 15 most wanted arrested literally minutes after this show posts. So a uh, quick update for you there. That's the latest. As you heard, uh, Police Chief John Mina in Orlando, Mark Heath Lloyd officially arrested. And interestingly enough, he said it wasn't a case of an anonymous tip. It was, quote, good old fashioned police work that did the job in the capture of uh, Mark Heath Lloyd. So there you have it. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Beyond the Badge. Vincent, I'm sure we'll have much more on this whole situation and this whole case next week right here on Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Based on every single thing that's going on in the world right now, you guys know everybody's talking about it. We hear about cops. We're hearing about politicians. Um, we're hearing about uh, Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter and Green Lives Matter and, and All Lives Matter and Human Lives Matter. And I understand and I get the whole concept of focusing on that one topic. But what I want everybody to do, and this is going to be really quick and really simple because I don't really want to get involved in the politics or the bullshit that goes along with this, but everybody stop for five seconds. And I want everybody just to stop. And I want you to look around and I don't want you to look at the color. I don't want you to look at uh, what they're wearing. I don't want you to look at what they're driving. I don't want you to look at, at anything other than the, than the physical self of the human being as it is. And realize that we are all the same makeup. We may have different colors of skin. We may have different colored eyes. We might have all have different beliefs. But one of the things that, 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 that our forefathers, if we're going to go this direction, put in was that we are all created equal. Okay. And, and that's what it comes down to. And, and the only time, and, and so much shit is happening right now that, that we're losing focus and we're starting to, to micromanage every single part of it. What it all comes down to is that we're all human beings. And, and if everybody stops and if you open the door and if you say thank you and you let that person make that left turn who was in the middle lane to go in front of you without getting pissed off or you let that person in front of you kind of get out of the way before you start honking on the horn or if you let them skip in front of you because you have 20 items and they have one, it's going to make somebody else's day. So everybody's got to do me a favor tomorrow and throughout this whole week. Uh, who, who cares what it is? What I want you guys to do is just stop for a second and think, how would you want to be treated and treat that person who's sitting across from you, be it a waitress, be it a waiter, be it a server, a bartender, a priest, somebody on a plane, a guy who's pumping your gas and just say hi to them. Say thank you. Take five seconds and just be nice. And if every single person who does that, does that, then we can all just have a couple of minutes to peace. So let's all back off for a couple seconds and just be nice to each other. Let's just be fucking nice to each other. Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.